Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. My brothers and sisters, it's time we wake up and realize we can't just do things the way we've done them in the past. We can't just get by with the way things we've done things in the past. The Lord's been dealing with me. I've been growing in some amazing areas in my own life, but God's been dealing with me. I say, why don't, why don't I have answers to these things? He says, because you've not pursued them enough. You've pursued them partway, but not all the way. God has answers to what you're dealing with, but we've not wanted them enough to do what it takes to get them. God has deliverance and healing for you, but we'll take his word and then we'll do other things. We'll read his word and then we'll do other things. That means we don't yet realize what his word will do in our lives. But that time is ending. And whatever the situations are in your life right now, see them as an opportunity to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Don't be worried and don't be concerned if you seem to stumble at first. Just don't quit. Get back up again, dust yourself off, and go on again. Because God is a gracious God and God is a loving God. And God is not there to judge you to do this. He's there to help you. But understand this. There is no other way. There is no other option in the day and age that you and I live in but to walk by faith and not by sight. Praise the Lord. 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 Let's just worship God for a moment. Lord, we praise you. We thank you that you've given us a way. Thank you that you've not left us alone. Thank you that your word is the truth. Your word is the truth. Your word overcomes. But we must stand on your word. We must not take our eyes off of your word. We must trust your word. And your word will bring it to pass. For your word will not fail. Your word will not fail. Your word will not fail. Do not anxiously look about you. Do not look at the left or the right. Do not look at who's falling or who's stumbling. Look only unto the Lord. Because He is your help. He is your answer. Look unto the Lord. Look unto the Lord. And He will see you through. To victory. To overcoming. He will not fail you. Praise the Lord. 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 Blessed be his name. 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 Thank you, Lord. 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 Yes, 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 yes. For those that will learn to walk by faith, for those that will choose to learn. There is great victory. There is great hope in this life. For there is no obstacle that the enemy can put in your place. That the word of God, by faith in that word, cannot overcome. For you have been placed here at such a time as this. To see his enemies become his footstool. But it is done by faith. 
and not by sight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm telling you, God's up to something. Things are coming together. Things are coming together. They prayer last night. The whole atmosphere changed in here last night. And I could feel the beginnings of something. So just get ready. Just get ready. Just get ready. Begin to expect. Begin to ask God to move here. Move in your life. Do what He wants to do. Have free reign. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And God desires to be with us all the time. That's His will. That's His, that's His love. You know, when God created the heavens and the earth, the reason why He created all that was for the purpose of man. You know, the Bible says, uh, if you remember when Jesus was, was baptized, and um, as He was put into the water by John the Baptist, and He was taken out of the water, the Bible says that the Spirit of God descended upon Him like a dove, and a voice from heaven spoke. And these words come from a father who said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so those, that's the voice of a father who loved his son and was proud of his son. That tells me that God was a father before he created the heavens and the earth with a father heart. And like any father who desires children, God desires children also. And so he created man, uh, created the heavens and the earth so they can be inhabited by man so that God can have fellowship and relationship with God because it was God's intention for him to be present with his children and what I love about God is that he's not like one of those deadbeat dads where um, he doesn't spend time with his children or abandons his children or he's not the kind of dad where he wants to spend time with his son out of duty or out of obligation but he chooses to be with his son because he wants to he desires that fellowship. He desires to be in our presence, just as he would love for us to be in his presence. So tonight I want to talk to you about the presence of God and how important it is and how beneficial it is to us. When you look at the presence of God, it's, it's one of God's attributes. You know, he described as omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, and omnipresence, which means all-present. And that's what the word omni means, all and so when we look at his, uh, the omnipresence of God, that means simply that his complete essence is fully present in all places at all times. So if his omnipresence, if, that's, if, if God is omnipresent, that means that he is always wherever he needs to be to do whatever he needs to do. Always. So tonight we're going to talk more about this presence of God, this omnipresence. There are two things that I want you to know about his presence, or this omnipresence of God. Number one is he cannot be contained. Go with me to 1 Kings chapter 8. I'll read something to you. <clears throat> 1 Kings chapter 8. The presence of God cannot be contained. Here we have Solomon who had just built a temple and was offering a dedication of prayer or a prayer of dedication for the building to God. And beginning in verse 26, it says, And now, O God of Israel, let thy word, I pray thee, be verified, 
which thou speaketh unto thy, thy servant David, my father. Verse 27. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heavens and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house that I have built. So Solomon had a great revelation. He realized that God was so big that not even the temple could contain the presence of God. You know, uh, we talk about the immensity of God or the the greatness of God. Um, The word immensity means to that which cannot be contained. And we understand that word immensity, especially when we gain weight. And then we go into our closet and we put on our clothes and we find out that the clothes cannot contain us because we're bursting out of the clothes. Well, it's the same rule with God. I mean, if if man would try to stuff God into the universe, it'd be impossible because God would burst out and go beyond the limits of the universe because you can't contain his presence. There's a saying that goes, and I think it's a song that says, um, uh, how's it go? God is so high that you can't get over him. God is so low you can't go under him. And God is so wide you can't go around him. And, uh, and, and that's true. Because God is so big and his presence you can't measure. Because that's the immensity of God. You cannot contain it. So we have God that you cannot contain. His presence you can't. Go with Jeremiah chapter 23. As we continue on this line. Not only can we not contain God. But all of him exists everywhere. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 23. And verse 24. God's presence is immense and it cannot be contained. Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 24 says, Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? Saith the Lord. Do not I fill the heaven and earth? Saith the Lord. All of him exists everywhere. That, in other words, God is not broken up into parts. Each little piece of the universe is filled with the fullness of his presence. Amen. In other words, God cannot be divided. In this room, we have the fullness of the presence of God. We know that already. We recognize that. The Bible said he he inhabits our praises. So God was already in our presence when we begin to worship and praise him. Then the Spirit of God began to move with the gifts of the Spirit, with the gift of prophecy. So we knew the presence of God was here. So we know that the fullness of his presence is in this house. But when we all leave separately into our own individual homes, that same fullness lives with you. In other words, God is not divided by each little piece. In other words, each one of you don't take a piece of God, you still receive the fullness of his presence with you. So not only do we have the the fullness of God in, in a corporate sense, but we also take the fullness of his presence with us individually. God cannot be divided. He's everywhere. His presence is everywhere. Go with me to uh, John's Gospel, the 14th chapter. We saw that God is spirit, so therefore he exists everywhere 
at the same time. In John's gospel, in the, the 14th chapter, you know the story where Jesus tells his, uh, his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. And of course, you know, the disciples were, they, they were troubled because Jesus was about to leave. And of course, having spent three years with him, you know, it was a sad day for them. But then Jesus said something to them in verse 16. He says, uh, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. That he may be with you, what? Forever. That is the spirit of truth. So, I love, I love the way God just operates. Because even though Jesus was about to leave the scene, his presence was still going to be remain with his people. Amen. God was not about to leave them. But he's, his presence was to remain because that's his desire. And so God encompasses everything, everywhere. So that whatever you do, wherever you are, he is right there and all of him is there. Not just a piece of him, but all of him. I really need, I really need you to get a hold of that. So while you might be drawing, let's say for instance, Anita, Sister Anita, is drawing on God's omniscience. Then Pastor Joseph over here on the other hand is drawing on his omnipotence. But yet they're both receiving the fullness of his omniscience and his omnipotence. Anita gets all of the fullness of God just as much as Pastor Joseph is also receiving the fullness of God. So I can be pulling on his omnipotence or his omnipresence. You can be pulling on all the other attributes, but you'll be still be receiving the fullness of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, God doesn't give you piecemeal. He gives you all of himself because he's everywhere. You cannot contain his presence. Glory to God. So to have God with you is to have all of him with you. And you have as much of God with you as I have with me, as he has with me. And that's the good news. So as high as, as, high as you can get over him, and as I said, as low you can't get under him, and as wide you can't get around him. One of the things I also love about God's presence is that it tells me that he's intimately involved in our lives. Well, in order for him to do that, he has to be present. Amen. Go with me to Psalm uh, chapter 139. God is intimately involved with our lives. And one of the things about God is he's so big, you can't even avoid him. God is too big to avoid. Psalm 139, it's the whole chapter is an outstanding chapter. But for this uh, class or for this uh, message, I want you to focus on verse 7. David asked the question, where can I go from your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? Then he answers it. As if to say that if he was about to do that, and if he was about to go to the ends of the corners of the universe, this was his response. If I go up to the heavens, what does it say? You're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Anytime you run from God, and you get to where you're going, you're going to run into him. <laughs> yeah. 
There's nowhere you can run and there's nowhere you can hide. David says, no matter where I go, I'm going to run into you. So no matter where he went, David knew that he would eventually run into the presence of God. Go with me to Jonah, the book of Jonah, chapter 1. We see another example. Not only is God too big to avoid, he's also too close to ignore. One of the things about God is that even though he's so big that you can't go over him, yet he's so close that you can't get away from him. Amen. Jonah, very good story. A story that you can learn so many lessons from. Let me find it. Chapter 1. Can't find Jonah. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare with thereof, and went down into it, to go with them, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. How many believe that Jonah made a big mistake here? When Jonah decided to, when God told him to go, Jonah said no. And he decided to get on the boat, pay his fare, and then go on a tour for 2,000 miles far away from God. Where do you suppose he ran into on his way to Tarshish? Who do you think he ran into? He ran into God. He ran into God because he can't run from God. He can't get away from God because his presence is so vast. And the scripture says he tried to get away from the presence of God. But yet he met up with God on the way. There's a lesson that we can learn here. That when we run with God, God pays our fare. But if we run from God, we're going to pay through the nose. Some way, somehow, we're going to pay for it. Right? When you run from God, things become inconvenient. Our life becomes inconvenient. But when we run with God, life becomes a whole lot easier. Right? When we run from God, we deal with a lot of issues, a lot of troubles, a lot of problems. But when we run, we run with God, life becomes so much easy because we remain in His presence. And the scripture says that in the presence of God, there's joy. There's joy in His presence. And I would rather be joyful than be miserable running away from God. But I'd rather be in His presence where I can experience that joy. And we're not talking about temporary joy. We're talking about lasting joy. And the world provides temporary joy and laughter. But when you're in God's presence, you cannot help but to be joyful. Because when you're in His presence, all fear goes away. All worry and anxiety goes away. 
There's no fear. There's no concern. Because you're in his presence. And with his presence, there's joy and there's strength. So we learn about Jonah's life and we don't want to make that same mistake where we run from God or run from his presence because we cannot run from his presence no matter what. But again, I want, you to let you, I, want to, I want you to know that God desires to be in your presence just as much as he desires for us to be in, uh, in his presence. God knows where he wants to take us and how he wants to get us there. And having a God who is everywhere and associated with everything means that we have nothing and we can't bring to his attention. In other words, God is very much aware of what's going on in our lives because he is intimately involved with us. So again, one of the benefits of being in God's presence is accountability. You know, it's that awareness of knowing that God is with you. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I was a very well-behaved kid when my father was present. <laughs> but when my father left and I knew he was gone for several hours, I was mischievous. I put the capital M on mischievous. I sat on his chair. I watched the program that I wanted to watch. And my poor mom couldn't control me or handle me. I mean, I was like a king. But when my father was home, I was well-behaved because I knew I could not get away with things. Because I had boundaries. I wonder, I often ask this question myself over and over again, but how can Christians do whatever they want, act any way they want to, watch whatever they want to watch, listen to whatever they want to listen to, do whatever they want to do, as if God went away for a few hours on an errand and wasn't coming back. Have you wondered about that? One of the things about being in the presence of God is that God helps us to overcome and have victory over temptation. Go with me to um, let me go through my notes here. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> Beginning verse 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will provide the way of escape also that you may be able to endure it. Now, because we know that God's presence is with us, that any time we're faced with temptation, God is there with us as well. And so he has to be because that's why he's able to show us a way of escape. He's the one that opens up the door and points to it and says, this is where to go. Amen. So it's important that God's presence is in our lives because he helps us to overcome and have victory over temptation because God is always there pointing the direction that we should go to help us to escape. Okay. Now I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 
So his presence is so beneficial for us. We need to have him with us. First Corinthians chapter 6, it says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Now, we learn in uh, John 14, in the 16th verse, that the Holy Spirit came to be with us always. And so what, God, what Paul is writing here is he was referring to a sexual misconduct or in, a immorality that was taking place. And he said that anyone who is engaged in some sort of sexual immorality uh, sins against his body. Because his body is not his. His body belongs to God. It is the temple of God. It is where God resides. So when a person uses God's body to do things that he's not supposed to do, understand that God goes where you go. And so when you involve him in that type of uh, situation, God is standing by saying, how can you do this with me watching you? That's like, like me borrowing your car and using it to rob a bank. So I took what belonged to you and used it for something evil. But here we are, the Paul's talking about using your body that does not belong to you, but belongs to God. It's his dwelling place. It's a place where he lives and dwells in, where he's his presence, where he resides. But yet use it for ungodliness. How can you do that? And the thing that I want you to understand is God is there watching. He hears our conversation. And he watches what we do. But understand that God is not trying to be a big brother to look over your shoulder. What he wants is to show us a way out. Because sometimes we don't know which way to go or where to turn to. So we need his presence because he knows all things. Because not only can we pull on his presence, but we also can pull on his knowledge as well as his power to help us to overcome these things. So we need his presence in our lives every day. So that's one of the benefits of having the presence of God in our lives. And again, I have to keep reminding you over and over again, his presence is vast. It's immense. You cannot contain it. You can't put it in a jar. Not even the universe can contain his presence. Go with me to Acts chapter 7. to show you how near God is with us, to us. Well, actually, what I want to share you is, is one of the greatest testimonies that anyone can ever have is to say that God is with me. In Acts chapter 7, Joseph's life is summarized in just one line. In verse 9 of Acts 7 says, And the patriarchs moved with envy and sold Joseph into Egypt. But what? God was with him. It's the greatest testimony that any man can have. As a matter of fact, if you go to Genesis chapter 39, let's go there. Genesis 39. 
And you know the story of Joseph? He was a young man who was taken into slavery. A young man who had dreams. A young man who had a future. A young man who was loved by his father. But hated by his brothers. And because of his brothers, he found himself in this situation. Where now he's a slave. And in verse 1 of chapter 39, it says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, verse 2, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, isn't that interesting? That even in the midst of a very terrible place in his life, probably one of the lowest point of his life, probably one of the darkest point of his life, but yet God was with him. And even though God was with him, God also prospered him. And that's a lesson that we can learn. Because anytime we face situations in our own lives, it can be a lonely time for us. It can seem like a lonely place because we pray and we cry out to God and we don't hear God. And because he's an invisible God and we don't see him. So it becomes a very lonely thing. And it's very easy to to think that God is not there. But just like that uh, that Native American boy. All that time he spent at night thinking he was alone when his father was there all the time ready to protect him. God is also there with you. And we see an example in Joseph's life because far away from home and away from his family, he's pretty much alone. But yet God in his wonderful presence was present with Joseph. And here's what I want you to see. As as we uh, keep reading on, it says in verse 3, And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Let me say that again. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hands. So one of the wonderful things about God being present in our lives is people will also see it. If we have that wonderful fellowship with God and appreciate the presence of, of, of just being in his presence and him being in our presence, people will recognize that. People will see it. I don't know how they will, but I'll tell you what, if we stick with God and not do what Jonah did, we will not pay, but God will do the paying for us. And then we will prosper in many ways. I'm not saying we'll prosper financially, but there are many other ways that we can prosper. But if you remain in God's presence, only good can come from that. And here's what I want you to also see. When we're going through some difficult times, and I don't know what, and many of you probably are going through some some challenges in your life. I don't know exactly what it is that you're facing. But you know, the Bible says in Romans 8.28, it's one of my favorite verses, that God is able to turn, uh, make all things work for your good to those that love him and are called for his purpose. But for God to do that, he has to be present. He has to be present and actively intimate and active in your own life personally, individually, for him to do something like that. And I want to encourage you tonight because no matter what it is that you're going through, God is going to turn it around. And he's there with you, ready to protect you, ready to come to your help and to your defense. The Bible says that God is ever-present to help in our time of need. He's an ever-present help. So that means he's ready and able and willing To step in when he needs to step in. And then turn everything around for our good. That helps us to be able to maintain uh, uh, a steadiness and and be constant. So that even though we feel like we're about to give up, 
That's the time that we need to just step it up a bit and say, Lord, you're with me. And I know you're going to see me through this. And I don't know what the future holds, but I know that my life and my future is in your hands because you are intimately involved in my life for a purpose. And that should encourage all of you here tonight because, again, there's nothing too difficult for God. He can do all things. And the fact that he's actively involved in my life brings me great joy in knowing that he's not quitting on me. And he is not giving up. So I love when God does that. And I love it when God gets involved in my life. God's going to turn it around. God's going to change everything around. And as we look at Joseph's life in, in chapter 39 alone, it mentions God that God was with Joseph four times. And you know the story with Joseph because he must have, at, one, at some point, he must have thought about his dreams being shattered, about his future being hopeless. He must have felt, oh my goodness, and I know he felt alone. And even when things were going good and he was riding high on the wave and then bam, something happened, something sudden, something he didn't do, an injustice to make him lose everything he had to go back down in prison and once again in the low point of his life. And if you study Joseph, you you study the ups and the downs, the peaks and the valleys in his life. But in every situation, God was with him and he never left him. And you know how the end, uh, how the end of the story uh, went. Because God was able to still fulfill his purpose in Joseph's life. When now Joseph became the second most powerful person in Egypt, in a Gentile land. But the wonderful thing is not so much that he preserved the nation, but because God was with him. That's the testimony. Enoch, Bible says, walk with God. That's all we know about Enoch. But that's all you need to know because he was in the presence of God. God was present with him. And, you know, we have that testimony today because he promised to be with us always. Matthew 28 says, Lo, I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. God is with us. And I want to encourage every one of you, whoever you are, whatever you're going through, don't give up. Know that God is there. Even when you don't feel like he's there, he's there. Even when you don't sense that he's there, he's there. You can't go by your feelings. You just have to believe that he's there. Because he says in his word that he will never leave you. Neither will he forsake you. Isn't that what his word said? So that's a promise he made to us. And God is not a man that he should lie. So you can bank on his word. Because he exalts his word above his name. That's how high value he he has his word. And so I want to encourage all of you tonight. God is with you. Take God with you. You have the fullness of his presence with you when you go home. And when you get up in the morning and when you go to work, his presence is always there. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much tonight, Lord. We thank you, Father, that we're able to enjoy your presence. And we continually enjoy your presence today, tomorrow, and every day of our lives. Thank you so much, Lord, for being so intimately involved in our lives. Thank you, Father God, for being there for us every step of the way. Thank you, Father God, that even when we're faced with typical situations, Father God, you've not left us, but you're there with us constantly. Lord, I thank you for your promise. 
I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father God, for all that you've done and all that you will do in the lives of these people that are here tonight. And Father, we thank you so much for going with them as they go home and let them feel your presence tonight. And Lord, make us always aware and conscious that you're there. Let us not go by our feelings. Let us not go by our senses. But let us just believe what you say in your word. And for this, I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.